All right, podcast again. Did you clear the SD card, by the way? <laughs> that, that was an extreme amount of dead air. That was extreme. That's okay. You also never sent me the after show again. I looked. Today. I worked seven days straight. Okay. okay. All right. Well, you're always working, as we all know. Seven days straight. Anyways, folks, it's time to wake up. I've been in purgatory, also known as Will's apartment, where I spend t- most of my t- time t- <laughs> for twenty minutes. Listen, I we're, I was having a you know dinner plans when you're like trying to get hot pot and you're, the. People are like, it's an hour wait. I'm like, LOL. No, don't have time for that. So you got to go on a journey because you're like, Ooh, I want Korean. That sounds delicious. Mm. I want, you know, uh-huh. I'm not having KBBQ. I want that, that sizzling hot bowl, you know? Yeah. So where did you end up going and what did you end up getting? Went to a place on Smith Street called Som. Okay. Got some duck bookie. What is that? Is that stew? Rice cakes. Oh. With like fish balls and like you know spicy tomato paste. Okay, okay, that sounds good. And like a uh, bimbap bowl. Yeah, as one does. Mm-hmm. Like short ribs or real co- I don't remember. I forgot. And then a shrimp and pork som sizzle plate. Ooh, that sounds really it's good. Delicious. That sounds right up my alley right now. That was real good. Um, and then I spilled. They serve the rice wine drink in so, the like uh, plastic bottle. Yeah. Not not soju. Not soju. The other one. I know yeah, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. But it was in like the little like short like pan handle cup. Uh huh. Where it's like a little teeny tiny little bowl with that loopy handle. And I bobbled it all over myself. Mm-hmm. All it most of it landed in the plate. My small plate. Yeah. But the rest of it went into my lap and looked like um several several men several many men had ejaculated mm. all over my crotch. Oh, that's great. Well, it wouldn't be the first time, so Several many. That's too much. Uh-uh. So, I'm slightly delayed. I was like, oh, shit, we gotta go. Oh, man, okay. Well, was, that sounds nice. It was overrun by teenagers, too. There was a long table of, like, 30 teens. Hmm. It was a lot. Yeah. I'm like, are they gonna run out? What no. do you mean? You you thought they were gonna dine and dash, yeah, the teenagers? I feel like that's... 30 too, of them? I feel like that's too many teenagers. That had to be, like, two-thirds of the patrons of the restaurant it was and you thought they were all going to leave you never know wow teens can't be trusted that'd be incredible like a new version of a flash mob where you just go out with as many people as possible and all decide not to pay i mean you know they say it's like you know if you owe the bank money or wait what <laughs> i'm sorry i'm i'm hung over uh, and still? i don't have my how are you still hung over and i don't have my train of thought but there there's that phrase that says like you know if you owe the bank a small amount of money, it's your problem. But if you owe them a big amount of money, it's their problem. So well, the more people decide not to pay and decide to leave, uh, you might be able to get away with it. Maybe. If everyone in the restaurant decides not to pay, what can they do? I mean, yeah. Once you outnumber the staff and you're a bunch of teens on your phone, you yeah, know, make a TikTok Making about TikToks it. TikToks about it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They seemed all respect. I mean, you know, they're all teens of people who are rich who live in the neighborhood yeah they're not spending their own money anyway it might as well be free to them it's true you know also if you're like mommy daddy i want to go have korean barbecue with 
12 of my closest friends. They're like, that sounds culturally enriching. Mm-hmm. Little little Brendan, Travis, Theodore, etc. Yeah. You know. I mean, Yom Kippur is coming up. Is that like a thing? You know how like Jews at Christmas time, they go and get Chinese food? That already happened. Oh, it did already happen. What's this Monday? Oh, Indigenous Peoples Day. Day. Yeah. It's not Columbus Day anymore. Well, in my my heart, it always will be. Well, it's Indigenous Peoples and Italian Heritage Day. Yeah, that's correct. We have to take it off the genocidal maniac Columbus and put it on all Italians. Well. Even though that was, you know... I don't think he would have identified as Italian. Did you know that back I then? Like Italy w- wasn't a unified state. Also, wasn't he acting on behalf of the Spa- the Spaniards? He was, in so fact. Because I think he was from Genoa or something, or like Venice, and sure. they were like, kick rocks. We don't want to do your stupid plan. That sounds expensive, and you're not going to make it, because nobody ever makes it. That's true. Yeah. So we went to the Spanish, and they were like, sure, our pockets are deep. Whatever. Give it a shot. And we love we love Jesus, so like, let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and he was really good at spreading the the good Lord's word in the new world. In the form of smallpox? Some people that didn't want to hear it, and he had to give it to them. He had to do them a favor by giving it to them by force, the word. In blankies. Yes. Mm Well, Hmm. it's been a big day for, you know, questionable acts of global violence oh you know? are, are you talking about uh our pals in israel and just launching some paragliders in and our apparently. other pals friends of the pod hamas oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the paraglider God. thing is weird i only saw the headline about that but i'm like that seems pointless that seems pointed why do that so you know you're sending paragliders in it seemed, you know, I saw some what videos pilot of, wings? of like civilian women and children getting taken hostage. I'm like, there's an effective tactic. Doing some parasailing in the midst of your like war, that just seems like that's for the boys. That's just that's, a little We're having a goof. Yeah, like, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't love that. Yeah. You know, they have that thing called the Iron Dome, too. I don't think it's safe to be in the sky, is what I'm getting at. It's not safe really to be anywhere, but mm-hmm. I would take my chances on the ground if I were, if I were them. I'd roll in there on a four-wheeler or, or, you know, one of those Toyota trucks with, like, a 50 cal in the back. Oh. And have a little fun in the hinterlands. Yeah. No, I don't know. That Israel, you know, they get in they get in scraps over there all the time. Yeah, like, every, I'm like, every six months, everybody's got to, like, cool it. But it does know? seem like the uh, world tension meter is ticking up a little bit. This seems worse than yeah. normal. And it, you know, the threat always is because you think about it. I'm an American, right? I don't really give a fuck. To yeah. be totally frank, and I don't know that much about this. I'm also not Jewish, so it just doesn't. It doesn't you know, yeah. it's one I can look at Israel like I look at any other country, and I go, "It's probably not good to genocide things." But you know, then you get called names. Well, but anyway, I don't know a lot about this. But the 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 thing about this one seems to be that you know, if it escalates, it always it, it always threatens to draw in the rest of the Middle East, and then you have a whole another problem on your hands because we don't want you know the Israelis and the Saudis and you know going at each other don't get the syrians involved or the iranians you know know, and it's all mixed up over there and things just escalate and then their wars become our wars is it just because it's hot over there everyone's like i'm schwitzing i don't you know you know it's a it's just a bad it's a bad setup i just heard today i'm listening to a book about world war one right now oh goody and they were talking about the campaign in mesopotamia which is you know that's that area. Yeah. And they said the British soldiers that were fighting there at a certain point started adopting an old Muslim uh, saying, which is 
God created hell, and it wasn't bad enough, so he made the Middle East. <laughs> huh. And that's straight from the mouth of the Muzzies now. That's not me no, saying can that. Can not say that that's word? That's them saying that. I don't that. love that word. So That sounds... Oh, no. Is that a slur? It yeah, probably it's is. a slur. Well, the point is, it yeah. is because it's hot over there. I think, in part, it's that's why. Like, everyone's just mad. They're yeah. like, just go somewhere temperate. Just chill. I don't know. You know, I'd be pretty mad too if I was the if I was the Palestinians. Kind of does suck what happened to them over there. Well, yeah. Did you know they used to be friends, the Palestinians and the uh, migrant Jews that eventually founded the state of Israel. They had reasons to be politically uh, allied against the British. You know. Well, yeah. And but then that kind of started falling apart. And the British, their tactic as a colonial empire in every place that they occupied was always figure out what the local political dynamic is and then turn those parties against each other. No. So that's essentially what ended up happening. That and, you know, a whole series of other things because that area is important uh, historically and for resource for reasons. For oils. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, the British were devious. They would always do that. They'd always be like, oh, look, these two groups shouldn't be getting along. Why don't we help that process? Let's get that going. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. For people who have no, like, other spice of life, they really love to start some shit. Maybe this is why, like, after post-colonialism, they were like, you know, now we're going to have this magazine called OK. What's that? Is it's that a, real? It's a tabloid magazine. Because, you know, the British tabloids are psychotic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You know, they're like, right to privacy. I don't think so. Well, that's how Diana died, right? That was the whole big kerfuffle at that time. Yeah. Was they, they ran her off the road. Well, they ran Dodie off the road. Well, I, no, their driver. Yeah. Dodie was just also in the car. But secretly, it was actually the British royal family not really wanting well, duh. that kind of mis- miscegenation to happen. So, mm. anyways, British tabloids. Yeah. What about them? You think, you, are you trying to like connect some like, red string? You think, to like, you think of British people and you're like, you can't even get anything up to have like flavors, you know, like typically. Yeah. And you really want, like, your zest for life is to start shit? I feel like no. Hmm. You know, like, but they're like, eh, we did a bunch, we did enough conquering, and now we're just going to do tabloids, because that's enough, like, starting shit where there is none. You know, this is why they have, like, you know, Rita Ora over there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. You know, like, Kylie Minogue, etc. Right. British pop star. I guess she, Kylie's Australian, but, you know. Get what I'm saying? Where it's like the British people, oh, we love our, our, our stars. Yeah, yeah, they, they, I think, kind of were the originators of that kind of celebrity culture, right? The Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. the 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 music and and acting scenes in the United Kingdom at the twilight of their empire were really the basis for like starting f- for yeah. a lot of our uh, celebrity worship. I, I guess, think. yeah. But I don't. I don't really know what to pin. I don't really know what to pin that on. You know, they're just bored over there. They're an they're island. Bored. It's hard to invade that place, like most islands. So they get bored. Kind of like us. We're just a giant island too. We have two oceans instead of the English Channel. Hmm. But you know, I think I think island nations that are more or less insulated from real violence tend to tend to look elsewhere for their fun inward. Hmm. You know, that's why we like civil wars or hmm. cold civil wars. They did that once a long time ago, too, the English. And then they got over it, and they said, you know what? We have the Irish to contend with. That was what, the War, then, War of the Roses or something? Oh, no, the the English Civil War. They had one? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't, again, I'm, not, I'm no Anglophile, 
much as I know uh, Israelophile, but I, you know, yes, I know that that happened. I couldn't tell you what the stakes were or what it was over. I'm sure it was. So you don't like fish and chips, and you don't like Labneau. Okay. Mm, Yeah, not really, actually. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm sure it was some monarchical dispute. I'm sure that some duke and some vicomte, you know, and some lady of the night had a dispute at a wedding, Mm. you know, and. Back in those days, it was either a glove slap or you brought out the flintlock pistols, and next thing you know, your whole country's got a different political system. Oops, the Welsh have to go to town. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. yeah. We call the Welsh down from the mountain. The Welsh trolls, you know, all the all the orcs they go from f- Wales. They go fee fi fo fum. Yeah, they're they're gonna come down the hill and help us out, and maybe the Scots too. Mm. If you get them on a good day. Mm. Anyways, yeah. What else is up, man? I don't know. I mean, you're, it's very funny you're wearing the Kirkland signature hoodie today because and drinking a Kirkland sparkling wine. That's right, I am. Yeah. Let me tell you about the joy that is the Brooklyn Costco. Did you head on down to Costco? Hell yeah! Did you get a membership? No, a membership. A, fr- a friend offered graciously offered her card access to Adam and I. So wow. we said, "Let's go ham." Um. And the way that you can kind of keep a perpetual not paying a membership is having gift cards. Oh, so I see. So she's like, well, we're just going to go, like, just buy some gift cards. And then she's like, I'll just, I want to see what you all think of it, and then I got to go. And we're like, what? Um, so bought a $50 gift card. So wait a minute. If you buy a gift card, you don't need a Costco membership. You can just go use Correct. that gift card at any time. Yes. Really, that's a nice loophole. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Can but you can't but you can't get through the door of a Costco without the membership in the first place. Well, right? that, well no. If you yeah, but if you have the gift card, you can go in. Gotcha. But but a so civilian can't go in and just buy, buy the gift card, card and, and then going, not no, no, pay no. the membership. Yeah, correct, I correct, see. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like it's a wild thing. People like. I don't want to say, like, it was giving Queens energy. Oh, 100%. Because it's just, like, families and giant carts and just, like, scrambling all over the place. And I was like, I I could do 20 minutes. And then after that, I was like, I'm exhausted. And the amount of people who are, like, skitter-scattering about is freaking me out. Yeah, I've long dabbled with the idea of getting a Costco membership. The only barrier to something like that living in New York is just I don't have the storage for the kind of bulk, you know. That you can really acquire at a place like that. I mean, I have... I guess you don't have to go ham every time, but, you know, no. they have real good deals on salmon and stuff, but it's like, what are you going to do with 12 pounds of it? I have a pound of smoked salmon in my Ooh, fridge. Ooh, pound. Well, we split, it was like, oh, what do you want to split, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, So it's like, oh, I can't eat a pound. I mean, I could. But, you know, like, cutting. it's already pre-sliced, just divide it. Okay, seventeen dollars. You do the math, and you're like, "Well, that is cheaper than going to Trader Joe's to get that same amount." Oh, absolutely, four bucks is. at a time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you know, like when a billion rolls of toilet paper is like fifteen bucks. Yeah. Paper towel, I never have to buy for the rest of like a year. Yeah, but where are you putting all of it? This is what I've always been worried about. Oh, you've got a spare room now. Sure do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that's just going to become the Costco store <laughs> The hoarder room. You're going to turn this into like a cruise ship where you just have an endless supply of things in the back room and you never have to leave. Honestly, sounds great. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, like it's anything consumable you'll get rid of. So it's like sure. not like 
I'm not hoarding dry goods for fuck's sake, you know. Right. You, yeah. Well, why not though? You should get like, uh, you know, I don't know, thirty cans of garbanzo beans. What if a nuke goes off or something? You're well, gonna need that stuff. I mean, I'll have plenty of sparkling water instead. <laughs> you know, that's all I was there for. I was like, give me the case of Pellegrino. Yeah. Acquired. That's a good deal. Oh yeah, it, sub twenty bucks. Yeah, that's amazing. Shit, shit was wild. I was, I was not. I was like, you know what? I think America does have a problem. Beyonce was right. You know, like the amount of like gluttonous fuckery that you don't need. That you're like, should I though? <laughs> like, I don't need four little shrimp wonton bowls. Hmm. I bought them. <laughs> but like, you know, like there's a lot of things you're like, how the fuck am I going to go through? Like, and I'm like, well, this platter of croissants gone. Did you buy a platter of croissants? Fuck yeah, dude. Oh my God. I, we split it up. Yeah. Mine lasted about three days. <laughs> the industrial size bag of sun chips oh gone God. in two days. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, this isn't great for my health. You no. know, like I shouldn't have access to Costco because we're not making good choices. Right. You know? Like, I, it's not a place to, like, also buy, like, greenery. You're buying frozen bullshit. Yeah, it's got to it's gotta be preservable, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I'll be damned if, like, fried chicken patties don't slap real hard oh, at one in the morning. That sounds really, really good. Is it basically just, like, a, like a McChicken like patty? The, no, like the premium. Oh, wow. Like a premium fried chicken. Mm. So post, you know, last night stumble home at one morning hey you want a fried chicken sandwich and i say yes please oh god that sounds amazing it was great yeah but it's only good for that like i don't know i i don't see the need i'm not feeding a family of six well yeah that's the thing it's really it's for families you know but yeah. it's not a good thing for families either i never had costco precisely growing up but there was a thing called bj's oh yeah terrible appropriately name. named yeah. place but yeah my dad would go there and it, it was not even good for the health of an entire family because you know what a family with young children doesn't need is a bucket of cookie dough you Correct. know what i mean yeah it's like or you can only buy the platter of ego waffles yeah exactly exactly you you don't want to get kids hopped up on the idea that there's infinite cookie dough at all times no you don't want to introduce that idea to a young mind. Because then they're just going to be like, wee! Well, then th then you spend the rest of your life chasing that, you know? In a certain sense, life never gets better than having an endless supply of cookie dough at your beck and call. And then when you're an adult and you're, like, slogging through the day-to-day -day and you have to come home and there isn't the cookie dough, yeah. you're like, you know what? This is worse. Take me back. Well, you know? And you never get over that. The infinite longing of Costco. This is like a David Foster Wallace story. Yeah, I, I mean, kind <laughs> of. Like, but, like, you're also, like, in the middle of it. Like, there's just, like, piles of clothes. And I was like, give me that Kirkland hoodie. Because I was like, I'll make it gay. I'll cut off the sleeves and make it into a crop top. Damn, don't besmirch the Kirkland hoodie like that. I already get pissed off when I'm on the subway and I see other people with this. Yeah. And I'm oh. like, well, I guess it serves They me. don't have it because the drip, you know, the drip is too hot fly whatever the kids yeah. say so like there's people wearing it now ironically or not i'm not sure you, you know i feel like i would really benefit from having access to costco clothing because i kind of dress like that anyway the sizes start at like 34 XL. yeah it's, it's very <laughs> chonk um in a way that i was like oh interesting <laughs> but like they had like running gloves and i immediately picked mm. them up before taking anything else and 
was sheepishly abandoned them was like i was just high on the supply i did not do it yeah you know i'm always fascinated by that kind of stuff I, it, specifically at costco i always liked the large scale items like if you need a tv good place to go you can buy oh, yeah. an entire vending machine I don't know if the Brooklyn one has sure this, but not, the BJ's no. growing up, I, I, again, another childhood memory that like just should have never existed for me. The abundance in America is despicable, but there was, you know, an entire aisle that was just vending machines, and I remember being amazed in my young child mind because the vending machines were kept up really high, like thirty feet high, and they would come and use a forklift to get entire vending machines for people to own, and it's like that doesn't. We don't need this. We don't need that. And, you know, in suburban Ohio, too, like, there are legitimate, like, reasons to buy a vending machine if you, you, if this is, like, part of your side hustle or your business and you go and place them out. But you know what people in Ohio are doing with those is taking those vending machines and they're putting them in their man cave in their basement next to their 85-inch TV, their pool table, and their, like, single-lane bowling alley. And, you know, the bros are going down there and buying I think, things out i of think the it's also machine. closer to like small businesses or like well i'll buy a vending machine and fill it and get dollars from oh sure yeah you yeah know? yeah like that's closer to the yeah but rising. no I, I don't know i think people have them in their like little pool houses out on their deck oh, you never know what people are up to in this the the, the, f- the favorite thing to do in a suburban environment when you have too much money and not enough brain is like basically make a business that loses you money in oh, your basement yeah. or in your backyard. Yeah, that's By right. which I mean yeah. you like establish a uh basically a Las Vegas hotel pool style cabana where all of your friends come and take advantage of you. Yeah. And you just lose money on it, but you get to decorate it with man cave stuff or you do the same thing in the basement so guys can come over for the game. And drink like weird whiskeys. And, and yeah, shit. yeah, and and drink your and drink your weird whiskeys and you know your seasonal beers and then leave your house a mess. And drive home drunk. Mm-hmm. That's the American dream. You know, this Ugh. is this episode is the American dream. Oh, and that's what it is. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we're out here fighting for. That's why we send all that money to Israel and Ukraine. Oh, so we can okay. have vending machines in our basement. God damn it. Jesus Christ. And we can scrape back a meager percentage of the money we lose furnishing our friends lavishly with fried chicken. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, that's what keeps the whole thing pumping. It kind of does. The vending machines at Costco are the are the, the clog in the yeah. artery Oof. of this great economy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. It was just like I don't unnecessary things, truly unnecessary things. Do I need six boxes of water crackers? What is that? What is a water cracker? You know the cars like for charcuterie no. boards? Okay. Like the really dry ones. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're basically like hardtack that a Civil War soldier would eat, but but thinner. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, I didn't need six boxes, but I was like, honestly, what a deal. Hey, you know what? You'll, you'll get through them. Those aren't going bad. Those aren't going bad. They're not going to. Yeah. Those are no, fine. No, 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 no. Those are just fine. It's also like winter entertaining season. What yeah. Are, that's true. Oh, I have meat, meat and crackers here. Come on over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sad that you're going to miss uh, our housewarming party. 
I'll see. You, what time? You, you well, yeah, I know what time you get off yeah. work. Maybe you can come by afterwards. That'd yeah. be nice. You know, it's unfortunate the day that that's happening because I'm traveling for work, mm-hmm. as I mentioned to you. And so I have to leave very early in the morning the following morning. Part of the reason why we're doing our party early. Yeah. But yeah, that's going to be kind of a whirlwind time. I get to go to the lovely town of South Bend, Indiana, Beautiful. <laughs> where there's yeah. nothing to do but but witness poverty. And I thought... I'm sure there's something there. Well, here's the thing. It's Notre Dame, right? The, the school. Oh, yeah. That's the whole reason that town exists. Oh, college town food can be interesting. Well, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of, like, basically, you know, bowly places and disgusting oh, yeah. Midwestern, like gut bomb food that i can have yeah. obviously yeah no of course i will take advantage of this um but i thought oh it's notre dame you know i'm going to install a piece of art maybe I, at least i can see their art museum i you know i went online to kind of browse their collection and was like oh there's you know not bad not bad for a little regional joint this that'll at least be something to do mm-hmm. nope closed under renovation until december so not e- not even that maybe they'll walk you through the installs in progress yeah maybe they will the other thing i was thinking too is like you know it is a college there's it's hard to get into like college buildings without the proper credentials but maybe my liaisons can make this accessible accessible to me i was like i wonder if they have a good library that's something i've been meaning to look up you know how university libraries sometimes have like authors notes and whole collections and yeah you don't have to scan in if it's in the daytime Mm. it's only like after six or whatever so I'm trying to think of things to do because I have basically one whole day there and it's going to be incredibly boring. And you know, I don't want to be I don't want to be mean here, but I'm going with somebody that I'd, I've never met. Mm-hmm. And that's a real toss up, you know. Yeah. It's like either this person will be pleasant to be around or yeah. I'm immediately going to be like fuck bored. God damn yeah. it. Yeah. I have to spend my time with you. This makes this a thousand times worse. So anything I can do to have an out Fair. I need to find. You know what I mean? I would do some research and just see if there's like anything that you're like, ooh, what a treat, what a dream, while you're there. I could go to uh, Mayor Pete's house. Okay, maybe not. Maybe I should do a pod with Chasten. Be like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Nobody's thought about you for like three and a half years. You still okay? Kind of seems he like... He has a podcast. Chasten has a podcast? I'm pretty sure he oh, does. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I forgot that P- that Mayor Pete is the Secretary of Transportation. Yeah. I always just think of him as the, the little dorky CIA asset on the debate stage. No. But he's really transcended that now. Yeah. And he doesn't a, do a lot of work. He's doing a great job in mm. the city. Just helping helping every subway station flood. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of things happened since the last time we recorded, just in the world. Uh, Yeah, they did. I mean, that guy got stabbed. I didn't know about it. You know what's you know what's crazy is New York does a really good job of keeping that shit under wraps. Yeah, that's true. They actually and not do. drawing attention to it because like I was after you told me that I was like, oh, there will be like lots of cops around. And it was like, lol, no. Well, the New York Times never covered this story for very obvious reasons that don't fit their narratives. But well, um, yeah, I don't know. So that happened. What else are you thinking of? Because I feel like it did too, but I'm I'm drawing I a blank like right now. The Israel thing was huge today, but didn't even know, and then. I mean, it was monsoon season here, you know. Oh yeah, all the Which, flooding and shit. Yeah, I had. Did you get panicked phone calls of like, "Hey, are you okay?" Yes, I. Well, and I, I was d- like, I slept through it all. I, I didn't from my family at all, but a friend of the show, Trevor, was like, "Hey, how apocalyptic is it? Like, the news makes it seem really terrible." And I was, 
you know, that day I had a dentist appointment, which I still went to. Mm. I had to go to work. Yeah. It was like pretty much business as usual. And I was like, yeah, it's like raining really hard. But like, you know, my work is fine. There's a leak here or there. And my apartment had not a leak in my unit, but in the building upstairs. And it's like, but that's it. Like, it's fine. You know, people just get strange ideas. It's interesting, the New York media dynamic, because it's either like the, you know, it's a hell hole and that's being projected to the world yeah. or actually bad, actually bad things happen here. And it's just completely buried to keep the, keep the public calm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> There's no in between either. New York is like a, a climate change or a, like poverty disaster. That's what everyone else sees. Yeah. And then the actual disasters that do happen. It's like, shh, don't, don't, we don't talk about it. Let's don't not talk, don't talk about, about it. Yeah. 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 No, I don't know. You think that I think there's you know we haven't like talked about the news on the show in a long time. I don't follow no. as closely as I used to, and a lot of it just seems boring to me at this point. Mm. But I do think like like I said earlier, the tension the tension keeps keeps rising, and then little things happen in different areas of the world, and I'm like, this is this is not good. Yeah, I, bad, I used yeah. to warn about this a long time ago when I was more interested in such things, but. Yeah, that's that's generally the vibe that I've been getting over the course of 2023 is a lull before the storm vibe. I it's just, been a relatively calm year, uh, mm, y- you know, yeah. going off the last two or three before that, of course. Right. But mm. oh yeah, this is the calm before an before an election. Exactly. Year. Oh, that. No, and that and that and the whole thing is not the election itself because this one, even though it's not a foregone conclusion, it's a it's a aggressively boring one because there's not really primaries in any meaningful sense so there's nothing to even follow they're just anointing biden and trump's not even going to the debates that they're holding for the other party because none of those people matter there's no point in engaging with them like he's going to get the nomination and win you know yeah, but like, oh. so th- this election's kind of weird because it's like normally there would be a lot to talk about because you know there's this whole show of trotting everybody out and having conversations about important issues of the day. Well, that's not really happening. No. But then at the same time, the media has to like escalate the dynamics of this is a do or die election and everything's worse than you thought. Yeah. You know, whatever bubble you're in, the same thing applies. Yeah. Like, so that's happening at the same time that it's like, well, but we're also not giving you a choice in the matter. (laughs) So it feels weird. It feels really strange. I think it's the first time. It's certainly the first time in my adult life that there's effectively no primary on either side. Because always one side has one. Eh, not when you have an, like an incumbent president. Well, what wearing, I'm saying, like, but the other side would have yeah, one. Yeah. But we don't have that at all because we have the unusual situation of Trump only having done one term. Right. So, you know, you know. It, that that in itself is very weird, and then just because of the because of the media situation around Trump in particular, but also the way the Democrats have dug in on their narratives, you have like you have a weird situation in terms of like even the stories being told, not only about the election but like about the world, right? You know, that's why it could. Ju- I don't know. It just gets a little messy, a little sloppy, a little fakakt. You know, like everything's just a little. Well, I I also just feel like, you know, this is definitely my personal bias showing through, too. But I do think that there's just an air in general of really low trust. Like, I don't think anybody cares with the passion that they cared in 2020. Right. At this point. Or the passion that they cared in 2016. Like, even diehard partisans 
that are vote blue no matter who or like MAGA or whatever, they don't have the same intensity that they used to have because everyone's like, it's so transparently bullshit. And I think some of that's like conscious on a lot of people's part, but even on the, even on the partisan end, I think there's just this unconscious kind of like, eh, who cares? It's all smoke and mirrors. I really do get that sense. I mean, I even get that sense internally from like reading news articles. Like, you know, you were making fun of me a couple of podcasts back for like reading the New York Times. Yeah. Even though I make fun of it all the time. But it's like even in the even in the tenor of their articles, you're like, you guys don't even you're not even like really trying that hard to make this not seem propagandistic or you're not even trying that hard to like uh, give a gloss of objectivity. Like there's just no there's no effort. Well, I just feel anymore. like uh, there's a whole lot of not trying all over the place yeah. and just in general, like effort levels across all parts of the world real low real down on the ground Mm -hmm. you know like and i don't know what that is like like i don't want to say it's malaise or whatever no it is it's jimmy carter's malaise you know what's that yeah well it was famous in the 70s like uh, jimmy carter when he was in the middle of his presidency and you know his approval ratings were declining because the economy was shit and inflation was high very similar dynamics to now he tried to give this in, impassioned speech, which with him and his like manner didn't quite work out, but he called it our great national malaise. Mm. And the speech at the time wasn't really that famous, but it became kind of a meme later because in the reaction to Carter when Reagan was running, it was oft cited as like, you know, look at this guy. He thinks our country's in malaise. Well, you know. It's morning again in America, and you know we're going to make it great again. Right. right so right, the, the, it got right. used against him in retrospect as like his diagnosis of the situation, which was right. Was but it's like you doubting. don't you don't say the the bad part out loud. Yeah, you know, like you just go talk around it. Well, and I it's interesting in terms of in terms of like a current you know media or political or individual dynamic where like. The malaise is so obvious, but it's the same thing where, like, no one can out out and out say it. And I think that, like, a lot of, like, powerful people have learned the lesson from Jimmy Carter that if you do say stuff like that, it just gets turned against you. So the pretending to not – or the not acknowledging of that malaise, it just has a ratchet effect where it makes people more cynical and – feel more depressed because no one is even acknowledging their problems right i mean i think in terms of the immediate political situation that's why my intuition is that biden and the democrats are in real trouble for the election because they they won't acknowledge anything bad right Uh, and it's so transparent that things are bad that no one can ignore this i mean again even diehard partisans i i feel like would have a hard time defending the state of you know, people's feelings right now. People's, yeah, no, it's, which are not, again, they're not facts. But, like, that's not, no one uses facts in an election. Mm-mm. You know, like, good God. It it's goes back to the old thing of, like, I, I don't think I would, you know, have a beer with that guy. Like, the Obama thing, right? The Joe Plummer, or whatever the fuck yeah, that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, Like, I don't want to say, like, as people get dumber... Because I don't know if that's true, but it feels true. Like, we're just, like, bending towards that of, like, eh, just like that guy more. 
or like the you know like but that's always been the case through all sort of like handshake agreements throughout history whether it's business or politics whatever it's just like the person that you like more even if they're a complete dingling and not right for it like that's the one you go with yeah of course even if you're like you're like oh i think i can work well with this person you're like oh god but they suck so hard well yeah i mean i think that's the whole um tacit agreement that a lot of the country has with donald trump basically is i don't like the guy but i think that he's better you know for whatever reason it's this emotional attachment to somebody bucking the system and in a certain uh weird way telling the truth about things uh that gets through to people and i and i you know well, there it is. Like, I don't, I don't think that there's anything more to say about it. I think that's very obvious. Like, there, there was just a poll I was, when I was scrolling Reddit and sitting in purgatory here <laughs> um, that came out, I think, from CNN. It was, de- it was not from, like, Fox News or something. It was from, you know, some liberal outlet that was trying to gauge people's trust in candidates, mm-hmm. Trump versus Biden, in, yeah. uh, on certain issues. And Trump came out at above 50% in terms of trust on every single one. That's psychotic. So this is what I mean, though. It, we're not because we're not, you know, facts. Facts are not feel. F- your feelings are not facts. Facts are not feelings. Yeah. Right. Like, it, you know, if you kind of accept that basic inversion and that explains a lot of emotional appeal, then, yeah, I totally get that. One person's acknowledging your problems. Right. If not yeah. doing anything about them. But all you want is someone to tell you that things are not as good as your eyes are telling you they're not. American carnage. You remember that speech? Trump's inauguration. Oh, God, yeah. You you know, at the time, of course, it was really pilloried with the, like, you know, of course, like, hysteria that accompanies everything that Trump ever says. Well. Um, But it was kind of the reverse of the Jimmy Carter malaise thing, where he did say something along the same lines, not in terms of depression, but in terms of anger. It's American carnage, right? And I think that that's a really, like... I think historically that speech will be recognized as really important in a certain sense. Um, hear me out here because I yeah. think it's really true because he he managed to pull off the diagnosing of a negative problem but make that inspiring to people because that's what they feel they're experiencing in their lives. Like whether or not that's – again, whether or not that's like literally true in the case of every individual. It inspired some pretty uh, methy behavior on January 6th, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you can you can correlate like whatever consequences you want to it. But I'm talking about like the sentiment of the speech itself was actually representative of a particular moment for a lot mm. of people. And I think at the end of the day, it, it has kind of stood up to the test of the of time in terms of the last couple of years because it's like, well, look at it now. <laughs> it's the old adage of like, is your life better better now than it was four years ago? And I think for mm-hmm. the example, I think for most people, the answer is no. <laughs> and and Donald Trump acknowledging that as his first act as president is interesting. Like that's that's not. No matter what you think of the guy, I think you have to give give credit to that appeal. That's demagoguery. Yeah, but it's of a high order. Mm. I'm not saying that the, that the morality is separate, uh, right? Yeah. Okay, fine. You know, but like I, I, 
in the in the same sense that you can eg- examine a speech by any authoritarian figure through through history that we don't have such an emotional attachment to and recognize their like oratory and like a, a appeal you have to recognize it there hmm. i mean i yeah it's just like the battle of the olds again why no it's do- so depressing why are we doing this again yeah like maybe i don't know like and it's not like i don't how do I want to say this? I don't think it's like a kind of like, you know, all over like depression, but like I feel like the the level of defeat in the air is very high. Yeah. You know, it's just like, what are you going to do? Right, right. You know, like you can spin your wheels, grind your gears, but then you're like, what do we, you know, you're aiming for miles and you go about five feet and you're like, what? Like, I don't know if that's in the air. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I certainly, I certainly feel that way in a certain sense when I start thinking along these lines. Right. When I, when I start engaging with, like, you know, I had a funny conversation with my dad actually when he was here, um, just talking about like f- fear for the future, right? Because I think especially for someone of that generation, a, a boomer, essentially my dad's a young boomer, but a boomer boomer. Nonetheless, I don't think they ever really had the experience, even at like the lowest moments of the 20th century, that there was anything existential going on or anything to like really be afraid of long-term. Right. You could always kind of rely on the idea that things would sort themselves out, that there might be bumps in the road, but that, you know, we, the Martin Luther King thing of like, you know, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. Mm -hmm. Like, I think everybody subconsciously knew that not, not actively felt it, but that that was like a shared American perception and talking to him, like just about, you know, political things or whatever feelings right now. I I think it's probably even scarier for older people that have kids that, you know, their lives are going to end soon enough. So their fears are pretty localized, but I think they're afraid for the future because they recognize that like the existential stakes have been upped. And I think for millennials and even worse for Gen Z, we've gotten kind of used to that feeling because we've lived through such a cascade of like catastrophes yeah, that are different than something like Vietnam, right? Like that's the quintessential boomer low moment. But that was like a proxy war way far away. We've had multiple of those that are just the ambient background of our lives, our entire lives. And then we've had attacks on American soil. Yeah. We've had a yeah. pandemic. We've had a depression. We've had all sorts a of shit. recession. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of used to that amb- ambient feeling of existential dread in a way that, like, I think the older people are not. And I think the reason that, like, the demagoguery of Trump, for example, well, I think they're is starting, appealing. I think they're starting to feel it, though, because they're like, shit. Well, that's what I'm saying. My retirement's going to suck ass. The reason I tie it back to someone like Trump and his appeal is that who votes? Old people. It's those people. Yeah. And when they feel like the stakes are really high, but that their, uh, their span of being here is short, they're willing to, like, take a m- more of a risk, right? Mm-hmm. Not that Trump doesn't appeal to young people too, but uh, but uh, but let's be honest: who votes in elections anymore? Especially when it's the battle of the olds. Right. It's these people. 
So it's no wonder they're 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 scared. They're more afraid than any of us. Yeah, they're not used to it. Yeah, they're not used to. The and bad, even though the they lived through the, the same yeah. sequence of events, they were like well into middle age by the time nine eleven happened, right? And like, you could kind of write that off as a one off, right? And then the recession happens, and if you're one of the one of the majority that was mostly unaffected by it, you're like, well, there's economic ups. Like, yeah. I think they could write a lot off, but I think recently they're having a harder time doing that. I think that's right. I think they're just kind of like again. Like, as the timer ticks down, when they're about to retire, they're like, wait, I still got to look out for what's mine. Well, and the, and the reason that I think, like, thinking along these general generational lines is interesting is not to, like, really judge them or uh, draw a comparison between them. But it's just, like, I'm thinking of the conversation with my dad because I could see... I, m- it was sub-perceptual, right? Like, I don't think he was trying to transmit this, but the the steely-eyed dispassion that I have when talking about, like, well, if China invades Taiwan and things go nuclear, we're like, we're fucked. Like, that, to him, sounds like a fantasy, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, when you and I hear that, it's like, you can picture it. I've said many times on this podcast, especially back in the day, like, I will be genuinely surprised if you and I get through the rest of our lives and don't one day see a like live feed of a nuclear explosion on our phones. Like in the same sense that you woke up today and see, Oh, Israel and Hamas are at it again. I think it's literally only a matter of time until one day the Instagram is alight with the mushroom cloud meme picture. Yeah. And then the, the speed at which that's going to be turned into a meme and be joked on is tremendous. I mean, and we're used to that. Yeah. And we're like, well, like, yeah. seems bleak, but okay. Well, I, and as people get used to those kind of bleak situations with, with the stakes being so high, the risk of escalating that to a point where it gets terminal is very high if no one cares. Right. You have to care. But the, the, there's been no there's been no collective project of, like, constructing a reason to care. Right. And I... I mean, this is just very strange thinking. Like, did you, did your phone, like everyone else's, just lose their shit the other day? Yeah, the like test of the national alert system thing. Why didn't we? Why didn't anyone know about that? Like, that was like genuinely like, what the fuck is going on? Well, I mean, I, it, here's like, the why thing: why are we testing it? Well, yeah, the the is it because we don't watch TV and we don't have the like boop like. Yeah, on, that's exa- on, on well. Television? That's exactly why there's and and to answer your question of like why didn't nobody know about that? The only way to find out about an emergency alert system is for it to be you find out in yeah, real time. I there's guess. no there's no lead up to this. It's like when that uh, ballistic missile warning got sent to everyone in Hawaii. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you know, four years ago or whatever. Like that's how it works. You don't in a catastrophic situation. There's no warning, but that warning. And you're exactly right. They use the phones because we nobody's watching TV or listening to the radio anymore. You would not reach a substantial enough number of people without something like that. Yeah. Now, the reason it's being tested like that, uh, probably it's just routine. Yeah. But the idea that they would not... Um, the idea that they would do that on a large scale uh, means they're prepared, you know, powers that be that are responsible for decisions like that are preparing to actually have to use it. Hmm. 
I mean, typically the only time I've ever seen it actually uses, you know, when there's weather. Mm-hmm. It's the same system. Oh. So bad weather and oopsies, bombsies, cumsies, you know. Well, it's used in situations where it's designed to save lives by delivering an instantaneous warning. Mm. And the difference between a bomb and a hurricane is not so different, is not so big, you know. And, like, when I say that powers that be that have control of those decisions are testing it because they plan on using it, that doesn't mean they know. Uh, you know, it's not a conspiratorial thing where it's like they know there's some kind of event incoming. Oh, my God, this Israel-Hamas thing's going to happen in two right, weeks. Yeah. So that's going to escalate things and we're going to need... It's not that. Yeah. It's just that th- along the lines of this general conversation about, like, ambient, uh, ambient feelings... Well, the the powers that be are composed of the same people that have the same ambient feelings that everybody has. Yeah. And everybody knows. But it's just like why that you that we're yeah. living on a, we're, we're living on a hair trigger right now. Yeah, but like why add to the jumpiness, you know? Like it was one of those things where you're like, "Ah!" and you like kind of throw your phone and you're like, "Make it stop." It, because it's either that or catch a lot of blame for not having tested it and then you need to use it and it doesn't work. Yeah, right. And I think it's better to make people jumpy, especially in a in a in our current environment where that jumpiness is a meme for about 6 hours right. and then I mostly forgot about it till you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Like th- there's there's just yeah, there's a lot of interesting developments but they're all like quiet back things like 2023 is an interesting year in my mind you know i've been listening to all these audio books you know my typical world war shit but it's just when you get steeped in history like that you're like oh like the first six months of 1914 were like the most consequential months for the next 150 years yeah and like people at the time like didn't clock definitely didn't clock that even yeah. a little bit, they were like me. And I, I have this, I have this odd feeling that it, some something like twenty twenty three. I mean, it could extend for another five years. I don't know. Yeah. But something like this year, where like obvious cataclysms happen and then kind of settle down, and then all these background things like people de-dollarizing and starting the brick system, and uh, you know, the brick system because it's cold. <laughs> well, I think it's Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, but then there's a bunch of other countries in it. The the basic deal with it is is that they've decided that they can conduct trade relations with each other without using US dollars. Hmm. Which is a big problem for a globalized economy and the US in particular in for example like Brazil and China just conducted like a huge oil deal in yuan rather than dollars. Um, so if they stop using our currency as a reserve and you basically get a cold war style situation where you have two separate, separate yeah. systems, uh, that's uncharted waters. Why for... does Brazil want to start shit? Uh, you know, did they just elect that guy? They elected Lula, the leftist guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. They elected their Bernie Sanders right after their Donald Trump. Yeah. A situation we did not experience. Well, um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't I I think a lot of countries are realizing that the United States is like basically unstable and unreliable in a lot of the ways that count. Mm. 
and the promise of our dollar was always that we would be the steadiest economy on earth and economically that's more or less still true but i think a lot of people are seeing like it's a house of cards though so that might be true today yeah but is that going to be true in five years 10 years 20 years Uh, i don't know and you know brazil being in our sphere of influence but also being like a powerhouse in terms of their population and their resource production and just basically being under our fold and at our beck and call probably doesn't feel good to them in the in the same sense that things don't feel good internally in the united states imagine what it's so hard as an american to even picture what it would be like to be a member of one of these countries we never even have to think about right right yeah I mean, I don't know. The Spanish-speaking tourists are going ham in the city. You know, <laughs> they've been going ham for about two weeks. So I'm like, what are y'all? What are y'all doing? What's going on? Yeah, they're spending their money here while the getting's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. But yeah, my whole point was just that I think there's a lot of background things that happened in 2023 that are going to be very important. But that's all. Uh, uh, History is funny. It's all that's all contingent on whether or not something big happens in 2024 or 2025 that right. makes it all seem consequential. It could can't tell. It could yeah. wither on the vine. Um, but I don't think anybody in their right mind, anyway, when they focus on it, feels positive. Yeah. Fair. Like, do you feel positive that civilization in the way that we know it exists? in 40 years i'm not sure Mm. you know and whether that's like a technological dystopia where all the economic things kind of get figured out but at the expense of a lot of civil rights Mm. and population can continue to grow so that gdp can continue to grow that's one version of a future that i also don't don't think is good but then there's the you know catastrophic existential risk of warlike things yeah well apparently we if there's a thing where it's like people are projected to live until 120. Yeah. Oh, so you can work longer. And I said, no, 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 no. You're going to have to wheel me off a cliff at a certain point. So sorry. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. There's so many schools of thought on this. Like it was a big point of contention at one of the recent irrelevant GOP debates. Yeah. Because one of their one of the mainstream like conservative talking points is that we need to rein in entitlement specifically like social security and up the retirement age, you know, the same, same thing happened in France. Yeah. It actually happens there periodically where they decide they want to do that. And then people start fucking shit up. Yeah. Um, but that, that cooled down, right? They back down. Or no? I guess so. I'm not really up on it. I don't mm. know. But the, you know, the Nikki Haley in particular was talking about, like, just very transparently, like, we need to up the retirement age because people live longer and Social Security was calibrated to a shorter lifespan. So we need to up it a few years, blah, 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 blah. Of course, that's like political suicide. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't understand her motivation for even saying that. It's obviously because big money donors want that. But yeah. it's like, don't you guys even understand the optics of what you're doing here? I mean, your investment in her is thrown away the moment she says something like that. Yeah. Anyway. But the thing that's fascinating about, like, something like that to me and the age lifespans and retirement age and all this is, like, first of all, in the United States, they're talking about that kind of life extension, but that's for healthy people. And that's not 
your population. No. Like, at all. No. So even if that's, like, theoretically viable for we got an average person, there's yeah. no average people in America. There are people who find it hard to get 500 steps a day. Exa- exactly. 500. Do you know how little that is? That's getting up and going to the bathroom three or four times. I mean, that's like a, a adult depend undergarment territory. I think I putter around enough in like two hours that I'm at 386 by the time I leave the home. Oh, yeah. Of course. So, yeah. I mean, point number one is just that you don't... So what? If that's a theoretical possibility, that isn't going to happen. And the, it, as far as like raising retirement age and it coming to that it's funny how much of a sticking point that is i've done some research into this because frankly it affects me and it worries me that they would be like you need to work beyond 65 or whatever currently 67 now oh then we'll make it 72 or it's like that sounds like it sucks but mentally like who the fuck can do that here here's the other thing you do like labory things like you can't do labor heavy lifting until you're 72 no this is only a problem because boomers are still alive. They're the largest generation, and they're requiring a tremendous amount of resources right now because they're elderly and they're still alive. Yeah. But when they're not alive, it's not as big of a deal. Right. They're not part of the tax base because they're living off retirement savings and they're in an extremely low bracket. Yeah. A lot of them probably basically effectively zero. Yeah. So when... They expire. You don't lose any revenue. Uh, and the, a huge yeah. weight is lifted off the system in terms of how much health care you need and things like this. It's like I, it's this is maybe kind of a happy ending to the episode because I really you know, look. My parents are boomers. Your parents are boomers. We love the boomers, folks. We love them, don't we? Our beautiful boomers. But when they're gone, the pressure is going to lift. In a major way. And They're the ones with the shittiest health. Yeah. The worst behaviors. Exactly. Like. And and our generation is the next biggest after them. So we yeah. stand to benefit the most from that. Great. And that's only a matter of 10, 20 years. So if we can kind of like skate through a 1970s moment for a decade right now. Yeah. And then hit our nice 1980s moment. Ooh. So much blowing hookers. I think for us it's going to be very good. We'll be older than the boomers were in their yeah. 80s moment, which is unfortunate, but hopefully we'll live longer. Yeah. So maybe it all works out in the wash, you know? Huh. Ooh, an 80s moment in your 40s? Ooh. Hey, 40s the new 30. I mean, for millennials, guess, it's not yeah, going to fucking matter. Bad, yeah. Everyone still does cocaine in their 30s. Think it's going to be that much different? No. <laughs> <laughs> people in their 40s doing it jesus christ yeah Oy. studio 2023 studio 44 <laughs> title of fbb <laughs> gotta get there some way yeah. um, all right 